Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, a podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics and talks about issues related to tax news. I'm your host, Omid Faruzi, staff attorney at Philadelphia Legal Assistance Taxpayer Support Clinic. Well, welcome everybody. So I'm recording this now here just after tax day, and I wanted to get a assessment here to put out a uh, retrospective basically on how this tax season went and reflections on what we learned in this tax season where folks were filing 2022 tax returns. So this was a season that I will say at least uh, on our end and I think I speak for other practitioners as well was a little bit more manageable than the last couple of seasons if only because we saw that the service at the IRS actually was stronger than it had been in prior years because they hired a lot more people. And the fact that they hired a lot more people meant that when we called Practitioner Priority Service, we were getting on the phone within minutes, if not immediately, no hold time. Something that would have been unthinkable even a few months ago. As an example, I had a client who, you know, I called Practitioner Priority Service and within a week, this was in February, they were able to uh, get the refund out to this person uh, that had been held up. Now, this didn't have to do with 2022 tax year. That, I think, if anything, makes it a little bit more impressive that they're able to walk and chew gum at the same time of, being able to deal with this issue that actually didn't have anything to do with 2022, but they still were able to help me and help my client in such a quick fashion. This is a case, too, where last year, you know, I tried to call the IRS for this person and they were basically impossible to get in touch with and there were a lot of other issues that affected this case where basically you could clearly see this is the IRS of pre-Inflation Reduction Act, $80 billion infusion, and this is the IRS here of post-$80 billion IRA infusion. So just speaking in terms of our experience, we can tell that the changes that have happened have had an impact in terms of the service being stronger we have been able to resolve issues more effectively. We've been able to get on the phone with IRS agents more quickly. We have been able to get answers to questions that we have uh, had uh, questions about that, that we've had that w- where there have been issues. And we've also had uh, much quicker responses to things that we filed or documents that we've submitted. So, for example, we had a case where uh, we had uh, submitted a documentation for something. We got a response back in two months. We got another one where uh, we uh, submitted something uh, for a taxpayer. Actually, it was a paper return that we had to file. It got processed uh, within a few weeks, and then we had an amended return recently that we were also uh, seeing processed within three months uh, and uh, that is something that just you know several months ago would have been unthinkable some of these things are you know more consistent with the time frames that we saw before the pandemic 
and so it's just it, it it's just something that makes you feel very motivated it's something that makes you feel better about how things are being resolved here and it's it's something that is is ultimately most importantly beneficial to taxpayers to our clients now this season was not without challenges so of course there was a lot of confusion about the fact that you know 2019 refunds when were they actually due there was a lot of back and forth on the listserv of low-income taxpayer clinic attorneys about this question and ultimately we got some newsroom guidance from the IRS that did at least make it clear that if you hadn't filed a 2019 return by this time that you have until July 17th 2023 to claim a refund or if you had for whatever reason filed after July 15th 2020 you had until July 17th 2023 to amend your return to claim a refund what wasn't totally clear from that guidance to be honest is that you have people who filed before April 15, 2020, their 2019 returns, that is, and what is their deadline for amending their return to get a refund? And so just out of an abundance of caution for those folks, we basically treated April 18th as the deadline for claiming a 19 amended return refund because that, you know, better safe than sorry, frankly. And April 18th, I think, was still okay because... The 7503, IRC 7503, section of tax code, makes clear that you have holidays and weekends, and then Emancipation Day is a legal holiday in D.C., so you want to go to the next day there for any legal deadline, which is why April 18th was the tax day. So April 15th, of course, would have been three years from April 15, 2020. But basically, you know, April 15th was a Saturday, April 16th was a Sunday, and then April 17th was Emancipation Day in D.C., so April 18th is the deadline to perform any uh, legal acts within the tax code, and in my view, uh, refund claims uh, are covered by that, and so, uh, you know, that was the that was the position that I took, and uh, so... We wanted to be better safe than sorry, though, in terms of saying at least it's April 18th and and not, you know, July 17th. But, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, if there's other further explanation or guidance that will be coming because I'm sure that there will be a case where somebody saw the IRS newsroom guidance because you think that that seems pretty clear from the headline on it, uh, the taxpayers have until July 17th, and they assume, well, Geez, if I filed a 2019 return and I filed it back in, you know, whatever, let's say March 2020, uh, then I guess I have until July 17, 2023 to file a refund, to file for an amended return for a refund. And I'm sure that, you know, the, those cases will arise and we'll see how the IRS treats those cases. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, we wanted to be better safe than sorry here, but uh, we'll see We'll see what happens here. And also, you know, uh, there were cases where people who, there were people who filed between April 15th to July 15th, 2020, their 2019 returns. And I think Notice 2321 had an example in it that said that if you filed, for example, your 2019 return, on June 22nd, 2020, let's just say, that you have until June 22nd, 2023, three years from then, to file your 2019 amended return for a refund. 
And so the way I read that is that I my view of it was that, well, you have to figure out the exact date that you filed in between those those days back in 19 back for 19 returns in order to figure out you have three years from that date to file a 2019 amended return now in 2023 if you happen to fall between the april 15 the july 15 time frame so that's how i basically treated that i said well you know if i have a taxpayer who filed on may 5th if i have a client who you know, filed on May 5th, 2020, then I'll say that, you know, look, we'll have, we have until May 5th, 2023 for them to file an amended return for a refund. Again, you know, that's just how I treated it. You know, Bob Probasco at Procedurally Taxing has written about this as well. You can, you know, Christine Spidell offered her view on the low-income taxpayer clinic listserv. I hope that there will be more guidance, there will be more cases, that that which we can basically be sure of, I think, and we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, but uh, that was one thing that I, I wished that there was clearer guidance on. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that it, it, it definitely was a more manageable tax season than previous tax seasons. But I will say, you know, one thing that really... Uh, sort of made it so, which is is, is something uh, that you could write a lot about it and, and, and brings a lot of, of, of thoughts and issues to bear is this. One reason why it was a more manageable tax season for the IRS, arguably, maybe because this year they didn't have any of the kinds of uh, programs that they usually administer, such as uh, the uh, uh, child tax credit advance payments or the uh, IRS stimulus payments in COVID. So they they weren't dealing with those issues and uh, at the same time having to do filing. And, you know, that's something that uh, is something that, frankly, the impact of it is not so good for our clients and for taxpayers in the sense that, of course, taxpayers last year and the year before that were receiving significant refunds because you had refunds that were larger because of the American Rescue Plan Act. You had an expanded child tax credit, an expanded child independent care credit. You had an expanded earned income tax credit. And a lot of these credits have expired because of the fact that Congress did not renew them. And of course, you also had recovery rebate credits for people who didn't get the stimulus or who had a child born in 2021, let's say. They could claim money for that child. They could claim money they didn't get for themselves even on 2021 returns. So you had taxpayers receiving significant refunds, significant relief uh, in these last couple years, especially last year. And so you also had, though, these programs like the Advanced Child Tax Credit Payments during the course of 2021, the stimulus payments during the course of 2020 and 2021, on top of the filing season, regular duration of the filing season. So they didn't have all of that to uh, manage. Uh, at the IRS now, there are a lot of you know questions and issues that come out of this. You know, including whether or not the IRS is the best agency to administer these programs uh, and these kinds of payments, and and so there there's a lot to consider there, and there's a lot of writing and literature that's been done about that. But you know, of course, one thing that you know it it, it was 
it was difficult to convey and something that we didn't like being the bearer of bad news on for people was, of course, that, well, you know, look, uh, this year, uh, because Congress did not renew these tax credits, uh, people have uh, smaller refunds uh, and uh, you're not going to get as much refund uh, because of that. And so uh, if, you know, we, people had questions about that and that's something that uh, was just a reality of this tax season, of course. But, you know, I think, I, I think you know, it, it's pretty undeniable, though, that the main reason why you had better service wasn't because of the fact that those programs weren't around now, but just because there was more manpower. You had more uh, people working at the IRS. You had improvements to their technology and service, and the fact that they, they had, uh, you know, more room to uh, be able to do things here. Uh, so, that's just what I perceive uh, has happened for us in terms of the additional funding and the impact of it so that is something that uh made this tax season i think uh, a little bit more manageable and for, for what it's worth the fact that they extended the 2019 refund deadline to july 17th anyway for people who didn't file 19 returns or for people who filed them after 7 15 20 that also made it a lot easier because you know we weren't uh racing to get all those returns done or send people out to free tax preparation sites for those returns. Uh, so it really made a difference. And and, and uh, so we like to see that. And the uh, the other thing, you know, I'll say is, you know, this real refund claim issue made me kind of think, you know, like, where did this all come from? Like, where where did, where is it that in the, in the legislative history that they the the why and the how of they of of Congress establishing that you basically have three years to claim a refund or two years from when a payment is made, and so I kind of went back and looked at it, and uh, there's actually a really great Missouri Law Review article I found by someone named Bruce McGovern from fall 2000, uh, new provision for tolling limitations periods for seeking tax refunds. It's history, operation, and policy, and suggestions for reform. This person really uh, did a great job of laying all of this out. And I didn't know that a lot of this stuff, you know, went back to 1924, the Revenue Act of 1924. And then, you know, that was kind of a precursor for what we know today as the Section 6511 of the Code. And then 1934, Revenue Act uh, further came in. He writes that, uh, 1934 provided that no refund could be made more than three years from the time the taxpayer filed the return or more than two years from the time the taxpayer paid the tax, whichever was later, unless the taxpayer filed a claim for refund within the applicable period. And this is interesting. It says that uh, basically when you look at these uh, changes that were made, when you look at these uh, uh, tax code sections in 34 and then 42 comes around in 54 basically the point was this is that they wanted to uh line up the uh ta- the the uh, amount of time taxpayers had to claim refunds with the amount of time that uh, the government has to assess a tax so he writes uh, here mr mcgovern on eight, eight, page 833 of this law review article Throughout the history of Section 6511, Congress consistently has expressed one clear concern, that the period within which a taxpayer can file a claim for refund be consistent with, or at least no more favorable than, the period within which the government can assess tax. 
And, you know, interestingly, on this same page, he goes on to write that basically the concern of Congress also generally here is that uh, the, 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 the underlying reasons why they enacted these limitation periods anyway is that they didn't want a taxpayer to, quote, effectively create their own limitations period for filing a refund claim by fail- filing a late return that also constitutes a claim for refund such that taxpayers should not have an unlimited period of time with which to claim a refund. So I found this to be interesting. So the idea that, you know, it, it, that's sort of one thing that, that I, I hadn't really thought about before was, oh, yeah, you know, generally speaking, the IRS has three years from when you file a return to audit that return, although it could be six years if there was a more substantial error, or it could be forever in some cases, uh, it, 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 dealing with certain forms and whatnot. But uh the three years, you know, lines up with the amount of time you have to claim a refund as well. So I, I never, uh, I didn't know that. And you know, there's a case Wirtz v. United States that goes into this as well, uh, which is uh, from the year 2002, and and looked at kind of the legislative history here. Uh, saying that the notion the taxpayer could thereby define their own limitations period for filing a refund claim runs directly counter to the legislative history of the look-back provisions, which were designed, at least in part, to preclude such a result. And they said uh, that uh, there's no indication that Congress intended the late filing of a uh, tax return to have a uh, this kind of impact, uh, and that they didn't want to delay... It, it, to have to have an impact where somebody could you know just like design their own statute of limitations the, peer, the the thinking is and that endorsing such legislative alchemy would incentivize individuals to further delay filing their income tax res- returns a result con- a result that Congress hardly could have intended uh, so I think you know that's really interesting uh, and you know, one thing that one thing that 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 this made me think of though is when these laws were enacted though in 1924 and 1934 and and 1954 i mean this was before a lot of the modern tax code came into effect it was before and you know i'm not just talking about revenue act of 1986 that that developed the modern tax code more or less this is, you know, before the the earned income tax credit. It's before the expansion of the earned income tax credit in 1993 that, that made it even more generous. It's before the American Opportunity Tax Credit and the Lifetime Learning Credit and the Child Tax Credit. You know, now you have so many provisions of the war on poverty, of our anti-poverty framework, of our social safety net embedded in the federal tax code. So, this you know th- these are these are benefits that people really rely on, and that they uh, oftentimes really need and budget around to support themselves and their families to provide for basic needs. We saw from all the research about how did people use the money they got from the expanded child tax credit. That research showed that people used it for food, clothing, necessities for themselves and their families. So these are elemental parts now of the social safety net, particularly the earned income tax credit, which can be, you know, thousands of dollars to $6,000, depending on your family size and income. And all the, the fact that there would be even any statute of limitations for refund claims, all of that came well before that. 
And so, you know, and there could be many reasons why, you know, people don't file tax returns or didn't realize that they needed to file tax returns uh, or, uh, you know, have misconceptions about, you know, oh, well, I made, you know, below the filing threshold, so I don't have to file or, oh, you know, you know, there's not a lot of financial literacy that goes on uh, in many cases uh, from, uh, uh, you know, people's upbringing and and, and schools and whatnot. Uh, You know, of course, there isn't, there are in some schools and on some people, you know, increasingly there is a movement for that. And it's not the fault of individuals. Frankly, it's not uh, the fault of people that, you know, they should, people shouldn't be assumed to be experts on every filing obligation and things like that. So why, sh- so why would a lot of people even have, uh, you know, the wherewithal to understand all these things? And oftentimes, you know, they, they, even if they do get their return done, uh, it was, may have been done incorrectly. They, you know, they may have gone to a shady tax preparer or there could be other issues, uh, that uh, arose where they didn't realize X, Y, and Z, and so they didn't get their full refund, including some of these crucial benefits like EITC and CTC, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, it it's kind of interesting just putting it out there that, you know, does that mean that uh, there should be uh, kind of a, 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 a deeper look at the, the 6511? I mean, it, it, you know, Congress at that time uh, didn't know that the, all these things were going to happen in terms of the expansion of the these tax credits and whatnot, and uh, ha, you know, query whether it, today, uh, if they were newly uh, putting into place statute of limitations on refund claims, what they would do, given that there are all these crucial critical benefits in the tax code. Uh, that that's something that you know to consider, and you know th- at the same time, you know we understand too that there's this whole idea of well, uh, you know, you, you people can, do people just can they just have forever to file their tax returns? I mean, and you know there are exceptions such as if you know financial disability, and there there are actually sections of the tax code that I didn't even you know know about uh, and and learned about recently in terms of errors that were made. Um, uh, and 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 going get back and I think they're they're pretty limited uh, in terms of their uh, uh, applicability um, and so you know they're I think it's twenty yes USC um, thirteen eleven twenty six USC thirteen eleven correction of error but but these are pretty limited circumstances and exceptions for the refund statute of limitations uh, but you know th- th- these are all things to uh, consider and. Also, you know, this goes back to something I said earlier, which is that a lot of people have said, like, well, is the IRS the correct uh, agency to administer these benefits? I mean, you know, uh, why do people need to file a tax return in order to avail themselves of these supports? Uh, you know, filing a tax return itself is can be a uh, can be quite a cumbersome process and can, is, is oftentimes needlessly complex for people. So... These are all, you know, things that, uh, uh, you, you know, will be debated and, and, and that people ought to uh, ought to think about. And, you know, frankly, with regard to the whole idea of the of the tax returns uh, being uh, d- difficult to file for people or, or there being a lot of barriers. So that's something that uh, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen next month because we're awaiting a report uh, about... Uh, you know, a, a direct file, free direct filing public option system, basically, that will be simplified and easy to use. 
uh, there's money in the Inflation Reduction Act to study that. And apparently the IRS is going to come out with a new report uh, next month where they're working with a nonprofit to try and think about what this will look like. So we shall see what uh, what comes out of that. And I suspect that I'll hear more about that from the ABA tax section uh, May meeting that I'm attending in Washington, D.C. in a couple weeks. So stay tuned on that. In terms of other items reflecting on this tax season, so, you know, it was interesting, you know, one thing that we'll see what the impact of this is, speaking of this topic I just talked about, is that, you know, uh, H&R Block and uh, TurboTax, I believe, uh, they uh, had actually exited the uh, Free File Alliance uh, that was part of the... uh, uh, irs.gov free file tools uh, where you could go on irs.gov and file your taxes for free um, so uh, it'll be interesting what the impact of that was now of course there were still other providers on there there was online taxes olt.com easytaxturn.com fileyourtaxes.com 1040now.net tax slayer tax act free tax usa they were all on there but some of the ones that usually that 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 were previously on there were not on there this year and so be curious to see what the impact of that is moving forward you know the irs unveiled their strategic operating plan in terms of how they're going to use the uh, the money that they've received further to try and improve services uh, audit more high earning individuals and you know makes make a lot of the online uh tools and resources more accessible so we'll see what that looks like and you know one thing that they've said is you know they'll make it easier for people to correct issues that they have and so you know i'm just very curious about what that's going to look like and what the details of that are dina olson has done a lot of thinking and writing and speaking about that you can go on irs.gov it's just if you search you know strategic operating plan you can find the details about that but it'd be good to see if they you know, have things like, for example, here in Pennsylvania, you can go online and talk to a live actual person uh, and they'll get back to you quickly online about the answer to your question. And it's pretty, pretty good. Um, and so we'll be curious to see if there'll be things like that. Already, you know, with the online accounts, they've made it, you know, more accessible where you can see kind of some of the notices that are coming forward. But still, there are certain forms that, you know, you still have to file them by paper, like forms SS8 and identity theft affidavit, taxpayer misconduct. So we'll see, we'll see uh, what happens there. The proof will be in the pudding, as they say. But uh, that's, you know, that's been a wrap on this tax season. But much like, you know, we know it's always campaign season in America. It's always tax season for low-income taxpayer clinics because we have July 17th deadlines. We've got October 17th October 16th deadlines, excuse me, for people who filed extensions. We have other deadlines, you know, tax court cases, things of that nature that we have to meet. Uh, so the work continues, uh, but uh, it, it, it's work that is meaningful and uh, that, uh, you know, I think the fact that the IRS service now uh, is, is better, that more calls are being answered, uh, makes it easier as well. So... Anyway, I hope to talk to you all soon. Again, uh, I apologize that we had a long delay between episodes, but as you can imagine, I was pretty busy with taxes, and I'm sure many of the people who are listening here uh, were themselves. But thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. You can visit our website at taxjusticewarriors.com. 
please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers or people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as legal advice. Consult with your tax professional if you seek specific advice. There are now three things that are certain in life, death, taxes, and your subscription to the Tax Justice Warriors podcast.